the mission for Axie is to get blockchain and crypto into the hands of as many people as possible. We believe that onboarding someone to crypto is one of the most important things that you can do for another human being at this important moment in history. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GMGM, GM, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host. Today, we're going to talk Web3 Gaming, talk Axie Infinity. I'm joined with Jiho, co-founder at Axie. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining the podcast. Josh, thanks for the invite. I feel like Axie Infinity has been in so many headlines over the last year as like NFTs and Web3 have taken off. It's really felt like the poster child of gaming. So I'm excited to dive into it with you. I mean, you have an amazing community with community being at the forefront of so much of what we talk about. I think you have a really special story to tell around that. So I just want to jump right on in and start off with you walking us through how you got into crypto in the first place and, you know, sharing a little bit about that story of you going from community member to a major contributor to the Axie ecosystem. Well, I was aware of crypto for a long time before I got interested in it. So I learned about crypto, I think, in 2012, 2013. I thought that it made sense. Why did I think that it made sense? At least why did I think Bitcoin made sense back then is because of Cyprus, right? Like the government confiscated money from their bank accounts, right? So the idea of uh, non-sovereign money made a lot of sense. But I still kind of found it boring. And it was like, it seemed like a speculation vehicle. It seemed like something more for like preppers. I was actually kind of like a gold bug when I was a child. And so I kind of like had already like gone down that rabbit hole. But in 2017, things changed. I learned about CryptoKitties and it, ma it made sense to me. It was hitting the right parts of my brain. I grew up as a gamer, as a collector. My dad collects insects and fossils. So I grew up on <laughs> adventures with him all across the U.S., I also, I grew up playing Blizzard games. I'm half Korean, that's why my name, my name is actually Jiho. My Korean name is Jiho. And I was an only child, so I spent a lot of my childhood at home by myself. And it was a way for me to socialize and kind of, you know, have fun by myself. But also, right, when the internet kind of came out, the first thing I did on it was I played StarCraft with my cousins who were across the world in Korea. So from an early age, I understood that games could be a great gateway into new technologies. When I saw CryptoKitties, I was like, okay, like this is kind of stupid, <laughs> to be honest, but the implications of this are almost infinite. And it seemed like also for my generation, right? I'm like 31. We were born <laughs> at the wrong time to be able to innovate in Web2. Right. By the time we graduated college, everything interesting had kind of already been done, right? Like Amazon, Facebook, Snapchat, what have you. Th these things were already 
out there. And it seemed like the, the entrepreneurs in my generation, they were just like making scooter startups or something like that. Right? Like kind of, it was just boring. So this felt like a zero to one moment, the birth of a new ecosystem, a new industry. And it, it got me instantly fascinated. For sure. And then you mentioned like that collector background a little bit, how you had that experience as a kid, your, your dad is a collector. And I was actually I heard that on the Bankless podcast. And I'm kind of curious, do you think being a collector is like a prerequisite character trait for people getting into NFTs and Web3? It's almost something that never was at the forefront of my day to day life until I started investing in NFTs, you know, seeing them in my wallet. I never thought of myself as a collector before that. And it, it definitely bleeds into gaming too and collecting assets and whatnot, right? Do you think that's gonna be more common? I think it's becoming less common. I think at the beginning of the NFT space, when there was not much to do, it was like a lot of people who could see the potential future were collectors, right? Because they saw it as, okay, we're adding property rights to these digital collectibles. We're turning a digital item into something that's more like a Pokemon card or a magic card or a fossil, right? Or an insect. And right, so you're giving the, the properties of physical collectibles to digital collectibles, which also, right, like there's an implication of being able to trade them or sell them without friction. But over time, right, it's like now as NFTs have become mainstream, right, like not everyone is a collector. There are people here for a variety of different reasons. There are people here because, you know, they love the community and the social aspect of it as well, right? The first is like that collecting instinct happens and then a community of collectors forms and then it's just just becomes a community right yeah it's definitely an interesting take how it's potentially becoming less common you definitely see the different personas online of some people collect some people invest some people are just flippers i consider myself such a bad trader so i think i fall more into the collector category now can you also walk us through a little bit on your axie journey uh, I think it's really interesting how you started out as an early Discord. You started early in the Discord community and then grew to be a contributor. What's that path look like? And has it changed at all from someone jumping in the Discord today, being able to contribute in the same way as you joining Discord way early in Axie's you know, origins and finding your role then? Sure. So Axie was started by Trump and Masamune. Right, Masamune is the artist who gave life and kind of showed us what axes look like. And, and Trung was actually an early CryptoKitties player as well and had this idea that, oh, something that's more similar to Pokemon and Tamagotchi, this would really work. So when I popped, hopped into the Discord, someone actually sent me a referral link, right? Like the Axie presale had a lot of innovation in it. It was like, I think the first bonding curve, it was the first reveal. Uh, it was the first pre-sale with the referral system. I don't think people even really do that anymore. They just like do it kind of non-transparently. We had like this transparent referral system and it just seemed very innovative. And right, having come from CryptoKitties, there were a lot of people who understood that the way to actually create organic demand that's not just based on speculation is right to bake a lot of fun and utility into the assets. And it seemed like digital pets, right? That's right. We have the comparison of Pokemon and Tamagotchi, these things that have gotten huge. The largest IPs of all time, right? Are all kind of cute pets, right? Even you can even throw in uh, Hello Kitty in there, right? Hello Kitty, I think, is technically the largest. There was this idea that, you know, it could be huge. When I got when I got there, there were community members that were all just talking about the future, 
like what their axes would look like and how the game would work. So it felt like a really special moment in time. And as towards your question on whether I think that's still possible, that's one of my missions is to make sure that that remains possible, where anyone who comes into the Axie Discord joins the Axie community, they have a concrete path towards contribution, right? So we just launched a bunch of initiatives, a creator program, right, where people are getting perks based on their contributions and what kind of content they're making, what types of tools they're making what type of education they're doing, and even more, right? We also are investing in 200 creator fellowships where we're actually training people how to make content, how to make videos and educational content around Axie, right? We're running that with Nas Academy, right? So they're teaching our creators like the formula for creating engaging content because Nas is awesome at making that kind of short form snackable content that can go viral, right? You saw that with the CZ clip that they did, the SBF clip. I also did one. It wasn't as large as theirs. We also have the Lunasian code, which is this on-chain referral program. So there are so many ways that people can actually contribute to our movement and receive different types of benefits. Not all of them have to be monetary. In fact, when we talk to creators, the number one thing that they want is recognition and kind of that tender love and care, right? I actually think that that's a good a proxy or way to look at the space. The outside world might think that a lot of us are in it for the money. And people in the space might even think that they're in it for the money. But my conviction is that people are actually in the space because they feel like for the first time, they're part of something. They're part of something larger than themselves. They have that feeling like they're part of a movement or a revolution. And it has this potential to upend the current status quo. Yeah. I really want to dive into more of that that desire to get recognition as I'm thinking a lot about reputation and digital identity and how that leads to people maybe wanting to be more engaged in these Web3 communities. So it's cool to hear that they're they're looking for that as a form of an incentive instead of just like monetary, right? But I want to take a step back real quick. Can we get like the 60 second breakdown of like the actual game of Axie Infinity and maybe some numbers around daily users. I want to give our listeners just a perspective of just how big it is and actually like what the game is for people who may not have played yet. Sure. Well, Axie is a digital pet universe first and foremost, right? So there are cute, adorable creatures called Axies. And the idea is that you can actually use them in infinite games, right? Where some of them are being created by Sky Mavis, the parent company behind Axie, right? So we've created a card battler. We're working on a land system, right? So the card battler is kind of like a cross between Yu-Gi-Oh! and Hearthstone and, and Pokemon. Whereas the land system, it's a little bit, right? Like harvesting, harvesting resources, building up a town. It's a little bit more like on the Clash of Clans, Rise of Kingdoms, Stardew Valley, even Animal Crossing side of things. But then we also have this builders program, right? Where the community is actively also building games on top of the Axie universe. So in terms of yeah, adoption, right? the mission for Axie is to get blockchain and crypto into the hands of as many people as possible. We believe that onboarding someone to crypto is one of the most important things that you can do for another human being at this important moment in history. And so adoption, onboarding, that is kind of our North Star. And 
what has happened so far, right? So there are around two and a half million unique addresses or wallets that own Axies. The Ronin wallet has around four million downloads, right? Making it one of the largest crypto wallets out there. Axie Classic, right? Kind of like the last version of our battle system at its most popular had around 2.8 million daily active users, which is larger than a lot of the famous games that from the traditional world that, that you might know about. We're currently in the transition where we're rolling out a new game called Axie Infinity Origin, which is like a big upgrade on that. Most importantly, we're going to be having, there are free starter axes. So people can fall in love with the game, see that they love the mechanics before having to go down that onboarding rabbit hole. We think that that's really important because there are so many misconceptions about Axie and NFTs. Like we want to show people that this is first and foremost, an engaging, fun experience that's super social. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about that adoption and that being one of the like most important focuses for you, how do you think through the user experience of someone coming in who has no crypto experience and then is next like playing a blockchain based game? Are there any really important learnings or like insights you found as you innovated on how you get users to sign up or really just kickstart that gaming journey? Well, so Around 80% of our players come from referrals. So they're kind of onboarded by hand from friends and family who have had an awesome experience in the ecosystem. And we think that that's going to largely be the case moving forward as well. We have talked to people, you know, who work at Riot, right? The creators of League of Legends. And actually, League is actually a very difficult game to get onboarded on into, right? You need to be kind of onboarded by a friend. They kind of need a, you know, maybe duo bottom with you uh, to kind of show you the ropes. But that's actually part of what creates a really special community when it's like, right, it's kind of growing through friends and family. And that's a lot of the onboarding. But of course, we want to do an amazing job, right, teaching people the basics, right? Like, so something like an Axie Academy or an Axie University, that's an education that we're interested in kind of in, in investing in, right? Because by playing Axie, people have learned how to Right, send transactions. What is a blockchain? Use a digital wallet. Self custody. Trade on a dex. Right, we have our own dex and provide liquidity. Right. So we think that these are actually fundamental skills. It's kind of like teaching someone how to use the internet in the 1980s. It might not feel like that right now, and people might not believe that. But imagine the people who understood how to use the internet super early on. Right, like that was a huge benefit uh, for them later on as society progressed. For sure. Yeah. I wonder if that's a, a strategy that all Web3 companies should be taking, or if you think you're uniquely positioned as a gaming company to get people to engage in some of these challenges and activations versus you know another company that's still crypto focused, but not gaming focused. Are those users as likely to go through that learning curve? Because I think all Web3 startups are thinking that same thing. How do we get our members, our users, our community comfortable and fluent in some of these key skills you're talking about? I believe in learning by doing. I hated school, right? Like I was not someone who wanted to sit in the classroom. And so I believe that, yeah, you need to make education fun and worthwhile for people to actually want to go through it. And you're right. Web3, I think the ultimate currency in the modern era and the ultimate form of value is actually attention. Right. If you can capture people's attention, then value can be created somewhere down the line eventually. 
And in terms of crypto, I think that crypto, all the different types of applications, it we're actually all battling for the same thing, which is attention. And then once you have that attention, right, the, these protocols can kind of capture value at different parts of the stack. With Axie, we believe that a really fun social gaming experience is the perfect way to get people's attention. And then you onboard them to the less interesting, more educational right, parts of the ecosystem. Yeah, you have to kind of put the the learning in a kind of a sweet format, right? Like hide, it's like a Trojan horse or like you, you hide the medicine in the honey, right? Yeah, and, uh, that definitely makes sense. So like when you were growing and you got to those 2.8 million daily users, which is super impressive, like what was the inflection point for that success? And like a follow-on question to that is like, what do you think needs to happen for it to continue its success through this bear market? Because I think we're seeing a drop in some of that attention as people get a little bit less focused on like crypto day in, day out when the price isn't as fun to talk about and and maybe their portfolios down and all of a sudden that attention drifts away, right? So how did you get to that growth and what's going to keep you going throughout the next six months, year, two years, whatever that may be? Well, first, we were incredibly early in crafting a very utility-driven future of NFTs, right? And we built towards that relentlessly. We weathered the bear market of 2018, 2019, lots of 2020, and we continued to build the product, build a, a community. At that time, right, we had like hundreds of users, and a lot of people would have probably given up. We were almost out of money, right? In 2018, we had like, we were down to the our last $30,000 and we were resilient and we just continued to talk to our community, build out the features. I think that's the cool thing about a game is that there's always the next launch, right? There's always something to do within the ecosystem, even when prices aren't going your way. I think that's that's part of the advantage that games actually have is that, okay, things aren't going well financially in the ecosystem. Well, at least you have, you know, there's that community aspect and there's, you know, there, there are things to focus on outside of that. So I think for weathering the spare market, our approach is going to be similar to how we weathered the last spare market. We're just going to continue to ship product. We're going to continue to delight our community and we're going to be frugal, but we're going to keep pushing forward, right? We're not going to necessarily slow things down. Well, some some projects seem to be like slowing down because of the bear market. And, and But to me, it's like the biggest opportunity is for the teams that can continue just steadily growing, steadily building during the bear market without disruption to their to their growth initiatives. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And let's, let's zoom out a little bit now. Like instead of talking about just Axie, I want to talk about gaming as a whole. And Crypto people love to talk about how gaming is going to be revolutionized, right? And and I'm definitely a believer in that in that vision. And I've had a lot of really interesting talks on this podcast with people who share like similar viewpoints too. And can you break down your perspective on the problems with the current gaming infrastructure and ecosystem we have? And then we can talk about maybe how to improve that. But I have a bunch of problems like I could I could list off, but I'd be curious to hear your take on maybe like the top couple that really strike you. Well, so we've always thought a lot about the infrastructure because when we started building, there was basically nothing, right? So when we talk about growth inflection points as well, right, one of the big things that we did is we built our own scaling solution called Ronin. And that was, that allowed us right, to have like 
very low or and even free transactions to kind of more seamlessly onboard people. There's still there's still a lot to build, right? But those are solvable problems. And so we built out Ronin because we needed our own tech stack to be able to make our products work, right? Because it's it's still a very primitive space in a lot of ways, right? Like that stuff is constantly being being improved. I think another thing is we need to be able to create aspects of our space and aspects of the ecosystem that are totally new, if that makes sense, right? Like we're not going to be able to compete against Goliath unless we have a slingshot, right? Some trick up our sleeve. Part of the thing has been, okay, so far that's been right. like the idea of being able to own and trade your assets, potentially earn some money, but there are more unlocks out there that aren't only financial, right? The idea of interoperability, right? That's something that still is largely untested and hasn't really worked, right? One of our ideas is this idea of vertical versus horizontal interop, right? Horizontal interop requires like different communities and different gaming companies to kind of work together in a way that might be unreasonable. Whereas vertical interoperability is our concept that if you own a team of Axies and you can play hundreds of Axie games, some of them built by us, some of them built by the community, then, right, like, what is the value of, of that asset, right? It, it's not zero, right? Uh, so it's like, how do you create value and give it to these assets without the value being, hey, you can use this asset to earn this token, right? That's not something that works indefinitely, right? So what are the different ways of adding value to these to these assets that are Web3 enabled. Yeah, I've really only heard people talk about the horizontal interoperability. None of those projects have adoption. They all want horizontal interop thinking that, oh, Axie will integrate them and then they'll, they can get our players. But from our standpoint, like what we wouldn't want to do that because there's nobody at our nearly at our scale in the space, right? So it's not a good, from the protocol standpoint, right? Like it, it doesn't necessarily make sense for the protocol's business. But you're seeing people within the community building games in that vertical interoperability standpoint to add more utility. We're directly investing in that. So we have something called the Builders Program, where we just gave out 12 grants and two projects. And some of them are already in, you know, live in early alpha testing. And so we, we think that that is going to be huge, that kind of user-generated games, user-generated content. Yeah. And you mentioned ownership, too. And ownership is definitely like a core belief around Unstoppable, like around like owning your Web3 identity, your domain and whatnot. And I want to like hear from you, why is ownership of game assets so significant and different from what we've seen in the Web2 gaming like ecosystem? And I don't know, I think really laying that out is helpful because not everyone coming in in, into this pod is even thinking about maybe gaming as deeply as you are right so i hope this question isn't too like too much of a layup for you because for a lot of people i think this is a, a big fundamental shift in how you approach just digital assets in general well so i grew up playing games and playing games with rich virtual economies you could actually make money by playing diablo by playing neopets by playing World of Warcraft, and I did. And it was simultaneously very easy because there were there was real demand, right? People wanted to buy these things because they wanted to save themselves time or for a variety of different reasons, right? They wanted that status, they wanted that power. 
It was simultaneously really easy because there was demand, but it was also really hard because it was like a black or gray market all the time, right? Like you had to use PayPal and stuff. There was trust involved. You could get scammed. I remember as a kid going with my mom to a food court to meet somebody so that I could sell them something in Diablo, right? This was before D2JSP came out. And and that was kind of like a little bit of an advancement. So this idea that there are things of real value in digital economies is not new. It's just that Web3 allows us to make that experience of permissionless and frictionless transaction 10x better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I found it so interesting going through some research after a previous pod on like how runescape gold was being purchased by people in i want to i want to say it was bolivia when they were having crazy like inflation and, and whatnot yeah it was like venezuelan gold farmers in runescape what that was that was a big thing right and there were people who are it's an arbitrage there are people who have a lot of time and and very little money and there are a lot of and there are people who have very little time and a lot of money and then right it's just that you're just facilitating that transaction so one thing that Chris Dixon said, right, is it's it's kind of similar to the Jeff Bezos quote, right, where it's like your margin is my opportunity, where traditional game developers, you can look at them as taking 100%. It's like they have a 100% tax rate in these virtual worlds. And they are clamping down on, you know, the black market activity, right? They see it as tax evasion. Whereas our policy is we would rather have a smaller slice of a huge pie than taking 100% of something that's destined to become destined to be small because it's not really differentiated. And because there's that lack of ownership. So for us, it's like, yeah, we would rather, you know, have like 1% of a lot than 100% of something that's that's small. I feel like that's addressing the problem of just revenue going to the players and not necessarily the company. And so really, really emphasizing that just decentralized nature of what Web3 can enable, right? Are you seeing anything interesting around reputation and identity with within the Axie like ecosystem? Are gamers associating their identity around their game, around their like around their NFTs? I'd be curious to hear about that because we see it a lot in PFP communities, right? Is it happening in the gaming world too? There are people who use their Axie and their Axie collection as their identity, right? People might not know who they are, but they know them as oh, the person who owns this. That is becoming a thing. And there is so much to be explored there around like, right, on-chain badges and right, like maybe you achieve something in the game, you get that badge, and then that's a marker, right? That's like, okay, we could give all the people with this badge X, and we feel like, okay, that's rewarding the right people for this specific type of reward. And so I, I think that's part of where the future is, right? Like I think POAPs are really interesting as well, and I think we will have things that are similar to that in the Yaxi ecosystem as well. Yeah. You talked about how players want recognition, and we're talking about reputation right now. And so I think recognition and reputation really can go hand in hand in some circumstances. I think about LinkedIn reviews. People can get recognition from coworkers. It's posted on their LinkedIn profile for now everyone to see. And so as you you mentioned badges, do you think that recognition can come in the form of like an on-chain badge NFT, or has it traditionally in so far like the Axie experience and system just been like social shout outs and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that an on-chain system for badges is really important and needs to exist within Axie. 
So stay tuned for more on that. And up to this point, yeah, a lot of it has been on Discord and Twitter, right? Even within the game and people recognizing each other, people working, coming together, right? Like we have people who at every meetup, I meet people who have been friends online for years, have been building stuff together for years and have just at that time finally met in person, right? So there are people that are coming together to build together online. And yeah, like the Axie ecosystem has so many different ways of creating that ability to kind of build trust and reputation between kind of pseudo-anonymous, semi-anonymous, and also just like, yeah, different people. You know, another thought I have around traditional gaming versus like Web3 gaming is around user experience. Has, has there been a big UX challenge in setting up these games that traditional games have just, they just beat like, they beat crypto games right now. And how are you thinking through that? What's that biggest UX hurdle? Sure, sure. it needs to get better, of course, right? In terms of like wallets, right? Like self-custody might not be for everyone, right? Some people might want like a custodial wallet and graduate to self-custody later, right? That might that would be probably easier because then you can just onboard people with an email, right? Things like that just need to be built. And we haven't like 100% prioritized them because we've actually prioritized building out the game and the benefits, right? And that, that was that's been able to get us to this point where, okay, like we can start building those quality of life improvements into the ecosystem like i think one of the biggest issues right now is okay like right like the app store regulations are really unclear so they need a lot of they need to be educated they actually want to be educated on right what are the ways that web3 gaming and the app stores can kind of collaborate and make sure that we're introducing this technology to people in an awesome and magical way yeah regulations can benefit us all from the people who are running exchanges to the game developers. It sounds like more clear regulations just across the board are going to help us take that next step. When we're all playing from a clear understanding, you can start probably building a lot more efficiently and especially using these partnerships with the major gaming providers, getting on like the app store or being blocked, having your app blocked on the app store is a massive barrier, right? All right, well, let's shift there from, I appreciate you diving in from in the problems of gaming. I, I just enjoy thinking through like those traditional problems seeing how things can be different in Web3. But now let's talk about incentives. And the incentives of the Axie are really interesting because there's a token. And at the same time, I think there's a lot of concerns around the tokens too, right? But I've heard you say somewhere, maybe it was on Twitter, maybe it was on a podcast around why it's important to align incentives with open source technologies. And I just like to see if you can go a little deeper on that. Like, why is that important? And how do we do this? This kind of goes back to what we're talking about is like people actually, the world thinks that crypto people are in it for the money. Crypto people might be in it for the money. But when we get down to the nitty gritty, we realize that what people want is to be part of something larger than themselves. So that's when we get into this idea of, okay, reputation and, and status could actually be like the supreme currencies of, of crypto and, and Web3. And I think that right there's a lot of controversy around tokens right now. This happened also in 2018 after the ICO bubble. This happens in every bear market where in the bull market, everyone loves tokens. In the bear market, everyone thinks that they're, they're horrible. And that's just a natural part of crypto that will, you know, probably happen, you know, be a thing for a really, really long time. I think that tokens are great ways to distribute value 
It really depends on the distribution mechanism. There are great ways to solve the cold start problem where in the beginning, when you need feedback on your product, you have to have some way of bootstrapping that early feedback loop. But if you don't have efficient ways of capturing that feedback and working and building with your community, then it's not going to work, right? So tokens can be used to get that initial flow of users interested and excited and giving giving you feedback, but you have to right like use that momentum to continuously improve the product, right? It's like in the beginning, the financial utility is going to be like highly like relied on, but over time, it's like the inherent emotional functional utility has to has to rise. And you can use that initial financial utility as a way of making sure that the product has more functional and social utility over time. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this article just this week around the top 100 coins, you know, just tracked by the coin market cap, and 72 of the top 100 have dropped by 90% or more from their all time highs. And so where do you think the incentives are really going to be focused on now through the bear market when the financial one and the token price isn't isn't there as much as it used to be? You know, the Axie token still has still has value. You know, I don't know, it's around $14, right? But significantly off the all-time high. Like, what would you see as that next best incentive in the short term for the Axie community specifically? Yeah, I think it's coming together, enjoying the experience, playing the game improving the game together, building stuff, right? Like you might be building out your career as a content creator. You might be building out your game as a, your career as a game developer or as an esports competitive player, just, or just having fun, right? Or building out your collection. You might not be someone who needs to be in it for the money, right? Like that we also need to be able to attract more people to the space. Unfortunately, the volatility and some of the behavior of people in the space kind of, you know, is off putting to, to everyday people. And so I, I think that's, I think that's the, the way, like, I think highlighting the gameplay, highlighting the social component, the benefits that are non-financial need to be highlighted, but they also need to exist in a way that actually makes sense to everyday people. And yeah, that's, you know, this, this is what happens in early stages of adoption, right? Like it used to be that everyone thought that nobody would ever use the internet because the early versions of the internet really sucked. Like it wasn't until AOL online, right? AOL Instant Messenger and stuff like that came out that we had we had continuous internet adoption. That's what crypto is searching for is like that AOL moment where okay, like we just have constant and continuous adoption from a certain point based on real functional and social utility. For sure. I, I mean I think the theme I hear from that is right, you double down on community and focus on all the different aspects, the, the creators, the players. So I'd like to ask you a couple of community questions. As a community leader, I'd be curious to know, like, what does being a leader in a Web3 community really mean to you? I think like good leaders don't see themselves as leaders. I think they're just people who have a lot of energy to speak to a lot of different people and to care uh, about a, a lot of those different interactions. And I think it's about listening more than you're speaking or directing. And it's about exercising soft power rather than hard power, right? Like you can't get your community members to do something if you tell them, right? You have to work with them, work alongside them and collaborate with them. And I think that's always been our, our approach, right? Even from the beginning, even before I joined the project, Axie just seemed like a place where like-minded individuals came together to 
build something together. And I think that's always been part of our DNA. And the fact that we were small for a really, really long time and that kind of became a culture allowed that culture to scale. It didn't scale perfectly, but it was able to scale to right at least thousands of people. Yeah. Can you give me a little bit more insight into that actual day-to-day? And, I, you know, truth is, I don't know if you were once the leader in Discord messages, right? In, in the Axie Discord. Are you still the leader in all-time messages? I think I still am. One of our channels got deleted, so it, I'd have to check. And then we, we actually just, we like got rid of all, like, I think all or most third-party bots that, that were even tracking that stuff. But I, I believe that I'm the number one user of Discord of all time ever, like not just in Axie, but across all communities. How many messages did you send? I want to do some really like quick math here. I think it was, I think it was like 300 or 400,000. Um, all right. Let's say, what's the average time to type a sentence? Like five seconds? Is five seconds reasonable? Like five seconds times 375,000 messages uh, divided that by 60. So you might have like, I have no idea if that math is right because I'm just talking and typing at the same time, but that might be like 30,000 hours of Discord mod time in the books. Like you're, you've reached your 10,000 hours. You're an expert. Maybe closer to 10,000 or something like that. Axie blew up when the early team members have been working on Axie for around 10,000 hours. I think I once did the math and it kind of like worked out to that where like it really, it actually really did blow up after, you know, most of the, the core early team members have put in their 10,000. So there's definitely something to that. It's about finding ways. And I talked to Peter Pan a lot around this is like, how do you find ways to scale the hive mind, right? Where people all know how to contribute. They all have ways to, yeah, contributing to kind of the colony or, or, or the nation. So I want to downplay my role. You know, I'm just, I'm a community member that, you know, <laughs> kind of got sucked down the rabbit hole and, and miraculous things happened. And uh, yeah, like there, there are a lot of leaders uh, within the Axie community. Uh, and there, there are some that work at Sky Mavis and there, and there are a lot that, you know, just do it out of passion and because they feel like their incentives are, are uniquely aligned with us. Now that's one of the cool things, right? It's like, what is a DAO, right? It's like, a, to me, like a DAO is just a hyperscalable internet organization of people with a common goal. And that common goal can be justified because people do have aligned incentives, right? Like there are a lot of people who see Axie working at doing stuff in the Axie community as their, right, quote unquote job, right? But they don't need to be hired uh, by us, right? It's, like, it's almost like a grassroots political campaign. The, those early golden moments where right you have a lot of these unpaid volunteers yeah are there different groups within the axie community that are really identifiable like almost personas within within the community that you can talk through sure i mean so there there are a lot right there are people who are in it for the collecting there are people who are in it for the battling the breeding the people some people who are right trading the marketplace flipping axes of course the grail hunter, right? People who are looking for the mystic axes. There are people who are interested in just the governance aspect and in, in, in shaping the future of the Axie community. There are people who are interested in the lore. There are YouTubers, there are Twitch streamers, there are people who make Axie art. There are people who just love tweeting about Axie on Twitter. Maybe they own a lot of AXS and, and they just and they just love tweeting. You know, that, that also brings concrete benefit where it's, you know, driving awareness and driving downloads. So 
yeah, those those are just those are just a few off the top of my head. I think I think like there are you could segment it down and make it even more specific, and you know probably identify like hundreds of different uh, types of types of users. And then also, of course, like the lines between them are not fully distinct. There are there are blurrings of the edges where you know a lot of the best battlers also love collecting, and people want them to make content, so they end up becoming a YouTuber or a streamer. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting how much diversity I hear across those personas. And you get much more diversity, and it sounds like in a gaming ecosystem than maybe just a, a typical Web3 startup that has supporters and people engaged, right? Even even maybe more, much more so than a PFP community. So cool breakdown. All right, I got a couple more questions, some from the community actually, that have submitted them. But one more question before we get to there. I'm curious, what's your take on the other side. I feel like that's the the next game people are excited about. And I'd just be curious if you have anything you can share from how you've seen them potentially roll it out and how you've seen that community building really differ a lot from um, your, your experience. They've definitely executed quite well in you know their short time in the space, right? It's, it's a year. So yeah, we, we look at what they're doing sometimes. And we find it interesting, like nice, nice strategies. So that's kind of it. It's like, okay, I looked a little bit at the demo. I thought it was nice that they're, you know, having that ability to have people kind of all chat contiguously with each other. Also a lot of question marks, but, you know, they, they definitely executed better than most teams in the space. For sure. Cool. And then let's get a community question in here. Someone submitted through Twitter. They said, if you had to start all over again with a play to earn game, what would you do differently? I'm, I'm hesitant to like change anything. You know, I, I think like, of, of course, right? Like there was the incident. So I think prioritizing security a bit and adding, you know, adding more validators that obviously would have saved us a lot of heartache. But I also think that that, you know, that event was a crucial moment where the community kind of came together. And it's part of the reason that we're able now to like kind of weather this bear market together. And so other than that, I would also say, thinking more about education and how to reward contributors, not necessarily right, like monetarily, but, you know, with recognition, giving more love bombs and maybe figuring out how to scale that a little bit earlier on. But I don't know, I think we've done a decent job at that as well. We did try to use somebody else's infrastructure once we built on something called Loom Network and that ended up really, so I think like even believing in ourselves even more earlier on, I think that's maybe one of the lessons too. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Well, I want to do my one, two, web three with you. Just some rapid fire questions to wrap up the podcast. The first one being, who's an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, or collector that's really inspired or, or educated you? Well, someone who I find really inspiring, two people, actually three people that stick out from the early days of 2018 that are community members are Cloud White, Chuck Fresco, and Arctic. And so Cloud White and Chuck Fresco are people that I actually met in the CryptoKitties community. They're kind of making early video and YouTube content. And yeah, so just shout out to them. And Arctic actually was in Axie before me and helped kind of onboard me. So that was always, that was a special experience. He was like 20 years old at the time, right? Now he's like 24. I call him the young Buddha because he's like so wise and beyond his years. I go to him for advice quite often, to be honest. Nice, well, good shout out there. That's awesome. Second question being, what's your favorite NFT? But yeah, my favorite NFT is Axie 707. It's my first Axie that I ever rolled. It's a Mystic Candy Babylonia. Nice. 
when you say 707, are they all like serialized in terms of like, was that number 707? Yeah, number 707. So that's when I came, you know, I came and I minted number 707. Nice. Wow, cool. Super cool to get like just that early serial and, and really showcase how early you were to the to everything there. And then number three, what's something that you think we'll be doing in the metaverse in five years that people just aren't talking or thinking about yet? Oh, I think that people think that the metaverse will be like around AR and headsets and stuff like that. But I think that we're already the metaverse is just the trend where our digital lives are becoming increasingly important relative to our physical lives and that there are real stakes and our digital lives. So, you know, the thing that people don't really understand or talk about is that you can have a metaverse that is just uh, the most basic screen in the world, which is like an Android device. Cool. Well, thanks, Jiho. Can you wrap up here and let us know where people who are listening can find you, connect with you, and follow along what you're building after they listen to the pod? Yeah, well, you should check out Axie Infinity. You can find us on Twitter at Axie Infinity, A-X-I-E, Infinity. Also follow me, I'm Jihos underscore Axie, J-I-H-O-Z underscore Axie. Find me on Twitter. You'll be able to navigate from there. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, thanks so much. And I appreciate this conversation about Web3 Gaming. There's a, a bunch of insightful things that I took away just around how you think about community and, and how you see Axie continuing to grow. It's insightful for me because... I see it everywhere. And so hearing straight from you what you think has led to some success, what you think will lead to continued success was was just a good combo to have. So with that, thanks for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. Coming out every single Wednesday on all your favorite streaming platforms. Would appreciate a like, subscribe, and following along. With that, see you in the metaverse. Peace out. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you so much for listening.